0: And welcome to Box Not Included, the show looking at geek culture and the media we love and loathe from a queer perspective. I'm Hamish and his amazing technicolour dreamcoat, Steel.
1: And I'm Jade, waiting in the wings, Rose.
0: And in this episode, things are taking a theatrical turn. And no, I'm not speaking euphemistically or metaphorically.
1: It's time to start the music. Du-duh. It's time to light the lights. Du-duh. It's time for Jade Du-duh. and Du-duh. Hamish Du-duh. to talk musical theatre tonight.
0: Yay! Yay! <laughs> Um, So, yes, musical theatre, a shared love. What do we mean, necessarily? What are we talking about when we say Um, musical theatre?
1: Yeah, when we're talking about musical theatre here, we're very much talking about uh, musical theatre as it sort of appears in the West, uh, because that is what we are familiar with. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a form of theatrical performance combining songs, spoken dialogue, acting and dance. Um, The themes and the emotions and the stories are combined through a combination of these aspects there's overlap with things like opera and dance but it's uh sort of separate from that given that dialogue and music are given equal weight um music's been used as, theater's like the oldest art form we have and music's been a part of it since sort of pretty much the beginning but the the musical sort of as we understand it now really took shape uh during the 19th century like Gilbert and Sullivan uh big sort of molders of the form um in britain and harrigan and Hart in the us then there's lots of like sort of edwardian musical comedies but i think when a lot of people think about musicals it's like past vaudeville and when we're coming in sort of the mid uh, 20th century which is where the classic musicals start coming in though things like oklahoma earlier but when people think about some of the famous ones then we're looking at things like the 50s and 60s that's where you get like your west side stories and your hair chorus line um and then as you come into the 80s we get some of the big british musicals like um andrew Lloyd Webber's back catalog <laughs> Um, there's actually a really good documentary, uh, The History of the British Musical, that was aired on BBC Four a couple of years ago. I remember watching it. It's super interesting. It's no longer available on BBC, but you can find it on YouTube. So if you uh, Google like BBC Four Musical Theatre, it comes up in Google. So no, that is super... If you're interested in like the history of British musicals, then yes. But, um, you know, it's interesting. Um, people talk about... about um, musicals, I suppose, being one of the great American art forms. Um, And I always think of it... I don't suppose I think of it as being a very British thing. I think of it as being very both. Mm. So, like, because when people think about musicals, they do tend to think of Broadway and the West End. Yes. I'm doing ridiculously jazz hands right now. I feel very on brand for an episode on musical theatre.
0: For this episode, we um, (laughs) did a brief uh, call-out for potential guests we wanted someone who had musical expertise and uh-huh. enthusiasm in equal measure yeah um but we sort of realized that we already have that in the co-host jade um, this is
1: what hamish thinks <laughs> i would argue that i don't have a whole lot of historical information about musical theater um but um hamish twisted my arm in, in the very sweet way that he does um but this is going to be very much our sort of personal experiences and relations to musical theater it's a topic that we are. Uh, might come back to. Um, thank you to the people that did offer, by the way. It's just we decided, one, we're not very good at talking to strangers. Yes. Uh, so because it's something we're both very into and nerd out about in a pretty hard way, we figured we could probably fill up the hour with just us.
0: Yeah, I think also, um, I think of you as being my musical friend, um, but maybe you don't because... Well, think of yourself in that way... Um, but I think it's just because y- your feelings are maybe personal. We wanted someone maybe more objective. Maybe. But I think this whole episode will just be um, the history of our, our relationships and, and feelings towards musicals. A bit like we've done a few on ones on tabletop and stuff. We'll probably come back to it in the yeah. future with a, a more maybe critical eye. Yeah.
1: And there's perhaps certain musicals that uh, we might use as a framing thing to go more in depth into the genre uh, but that might come up a bit later as we talk about them in passing
0: yeah um so what do you think or remember as being your first sort of encounter with musicals and the musical theatre
1: I think the first musical I saw I can't remember exactly how old I was but I was still in primary school and I saw Annie uh, at my local theatre And I thought it was fantastic. I just like, I loved that it was kids singing, because obviously I was a kid. I thought Annie was really fun. I thought Miss Hartigan looked like the most fun I could ever have. And Miss Hartigan is still a part that I think I would probably really... Hartigan? (coughs) Hannigan. Miss Hannigan. Where is Hartigan from? Hartigan's from something and somebody's going to... Somebody message (laughs) me where I'm going. John Hartigan. Where Mm. is he from, John Hartigan?
0: That's I don't from, know. <laughs> That's
1: from something that's gonna bug me. But no, Miss Hannigan. John oh, Damn you are That's gonna bug me now. I'm very sorry, but yeah no it was Annie. Annie was my first um exposure to seeing it performed. Um and that was yeah in primary school. That was my first exposure to the the form.
0: Annie was the first musical I was in.
1: Oh, uh, who did you play?
0: I played The Butler. Um, oh, precious and, uh was so famous in the uh, my performance was so recognised. Oh, yes. In the small uh, town I grew up in, that I think about eight years later, when I was working at Subway,
1: uh-huh.
0: someone I served said, "Oh, you were the butler, butler in the uh, school production of Annie." <laughs> iconic performance. It was iconic. I did very good little. Um, uh, like little foot bouncers, and uh-huh. I think I liked it because everyone in the uh, show was doing American accents, and I was yeah. the one who was allowed to do a very stereotypical British accent.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Had a lot of fun with that. Yeah.
1: Um, what was I'm, the first one you
0: saw? I'm not entirely sure. Okay. Um, not necessarily because I was so young, but I think um, I think this is going to get into sort of categorizing them so i definitely saw a lot of school musicals i was in a few oh well, actually i say annie was the first musical i was in i think i was in some other ones written by like the school's drama right. teacher cool uh, but that was the first one i had a real role in I remember. yeah um and i do distinctly remember um i had a friend um who uh Looking back, I suddenly realized, oh my God, they were like insanely rich. Mm. <laughs> I didn't notice as a kid. Well, you don't, I don't no. think. No. I just think they had, a, I just said, like, oh, they live in a massive house and they go and do all these things. And I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, sure they do. <laughs> um, <laughs> they were both lawyers. Uh, um, anyway, I just went over to his house one day and yeah. they said, what should we do for lunch? I know, let's go to Bra- let's go, not Broadway, let's go to the West End and see what's on. Oh, um, wow. And we didn't, we went to see Anything Goes mm-hmm. with a before he was famous, John Barrowman. Yeah, in it, he
1: loves Cole Porter.
0: Um, so I went to see that. Um, didn't connect with it yeah. strongly. Okay, didn't dislike it. It was just I think it was wrapped up in like my main memories of going to see it are like how expensive the Maltesers were. Yeah, <laughs> and, like yeah, uh, yeah, no, that makes it, sense. it was more of an experience that way. Yeah. Um, I think, because I, I used to go see a lot of pantomimes.
1: Yeah, and pantomimes That's why usually have singing and dancing in them.
0: Yeah, I don't think like, I have any kind of that was the musical that made me love them moments. Uh, yeah.
1: I think as a kid I liked singing and I liked mucking about. I've never been the most graceful individual. <laughs> um, but the first time I was in a musical uh, was my first year at secondary school and it was a production of Oliver. Oh, nice which I still actually hold a lot of love for. And I was a workhouse boy and a person in London. I was a member of the chorus. Yeah. I auditioned for Artful Dodger and was heartbroken that I didn't get it. And to this day, I remain resentful that I didn't. But I was in musicals the next couple of years at secondary school. I was in The Wizard of Oz in my second year. I was a farmhand. Oh, Nice. And I was, like, Girl of Oz number three. <laughs> Again, I was a member of the chorus. Mm, yeah. And then we did Half a Sixpence, and I was in year nine. Um, one of the be- like, if you've never hold- heard the song, um, hold it Flash," "Hold it put a picture, you're missing out, because that <laughs> song is fantastic. Again, chorus, and I had a tiny minor role in that. And then that was the last time I acted in a musical, I was a stagehand, literal stagehand, as opposed to appearing as a stagehand, uh, in a production of Bugsy Maline, uh,
0: okay.
1: at my when I was in 6 One. Mm. But aside from seeing, as I said, I saw Annie. I think I saw a production of Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, like an amateur one, which is actually a pretty stonking musical. But um, I remember watching a production of Cats on DVD, When I was, like, 12, 13 and thinking, I do not know what's happening, but I am digging it.
0: Yeah, I think my first interaction was probably watching musical films. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember watching Rocky Horror Picture Show and Little Shop of Horrors a lot as a child. Yeah. Um, Not sure why I was allowed to. (laughs) (laughs) Poor parents, I guess. Yeah. But, um... So I, was, I felt like I was very familiar with musicals. Obviously, as a kid, you watch a lot of d- Disney. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a, such a different experience to musical yeah. theatre. Yes. Um, see, I don't. I didn't mention this because it definitely wasn't my first. But I guess my first, like, oh, musicals yeah. moment is um, we took my dad to see The Producers. Ah, um, I've never seen it. And the
1: stage or the film?
0: Yeah. um... And, like my dad is one of those people who says they don't like musicals, mm-hmm. but really does, yeah, they just say that they don't, mm-hmm. um, they don't think about them or burst into song that much, but
1: yeah,
0: um, we thought that he'd like that because it was yeah. chiefly a comedy, yeah, um, and I remember seeing that, and just like being so envious of just everyone on stage, and um i th- I <sighs> My, I think I mentioned this on Wife Goals, Life Goals, that my feelings about musicals and stage shows are tied up a lot with, like, wanting to pass a straight. And I feel the, I missed out on drama. Like, everyone always tells me that I should do drama and that I should do musicals and sing and things. And I just always kind of reject it. So musicals. I can't seem to watch one without feeling a little bit sad. Yeah, but nostalgic for the what could have been. Yeah, but I think a lot of people do that as well, because I do think they make you want to jump up and start yeah. joining in.
1: Uh, so I, I think we'll talk about that a bit more, just like why musicals resonate. Now, I do want to say I remember seeing Fame mm. uh, when Fame was on in the West End. I was like 15, 16. And seeing that and thinking I would really like to act
0: I have just remembered my first musical show experience, and it's kind of come back to me in a flash of, like, yeah. did I see that? Yeah. Um, I went to see Starlight Express. You've seen I was Starlight
1: Express? I'm so young. jealous.
0: I was very young. I wanted to see
1: that fucking train... Um, oh, I was
0: going to say train wreck of a musical. <laughs> <I had> to- <laughs> Maybe that was the intention. That's uh, the plot, basically. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and I, the thing, I the thing, the reason I can't remember is that is that that's also the same night I had my first ever thing that was spicy, oh, right. kind of like <laughs> the, that's what I remember. The about trauma the night. of spicy foods. Yeah, um, we went somewhere fancy. Can't remember any of it. I was very young, but yeah. I just remember ordering something that seemed harmless, but there was some kind not, of chilly not? thing inside.
1: Oh, and poor wee Hamish,
0: not just getting it and then spending the whole like. I, I just have this distinct childhood memory of seeing people pretending to be trains and my mouth wanting to kill itself oh. and like just being sat there going like, hur, 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 and like a very strange childhood <laughs> I can picture this so vividly like, and it makes
1: me very happy.
0: Um, so I think that's it. But yeah, it's all, it's all yeah messed up that's, in my head with all yeah. the different experiences.
1: Mm. I suppose what i want to kind of talk about a little bit is the, um, I, I mean... It came in in the opening. The term, when we say something is theatrical, frequently it is said with that nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Oh, so-and-so is very... He's very theatrical, isn't mm. he? And that whole euphemistic mm. term. And I thought it'd be interesting to maybe talk about that overlap between the theatre community and the queer community and why musical theatre, at least for our us looking at it as... To, as obs- as sort of consumers of musical theatre as opposed and possibly wannabe contributors to the to the art form, but why there's that strong association there. I mean I remember I think we've talked about it before that um not on not on I'm gonna say on stream on mic about um I forget which season of Orange is the New Black it was, where Boo is trying to pass us straight straight and um we talk uh, they talk about theatre and I think she makes a gag about uh about two four six oh one. And they go, she's like, no, 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 you can't do any of that musical theatre stuff. That's not cool for straight people. She's like, no, no, that's for gay men. My people are stage managers. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, remember, I remember cackling at that line at the time. But yeah.
0: I mean, if I'm thinking about it in a kind of deep way, I feel um, growing up where you have to closet yourself in some way um, trains you how to act and... Um, It's not a huge leap to go from, oh, I spend my entire life pretending to be a type of character I've created. Mm. doesn't make a huge leap to think to play other different types of of characters. And I think there's also an element of wanting escapism and wanting to be someone else. Yeah.
1: Um, I see. I take sort of the other, the flip side on that. I agree that's definitely a part of it but also being part of the theatre where everything is big, everything is colourful, everything is so much bigger and larger than reality. It's the one place where you can be yourself. Theatre is fantastic. And This is where Jade gets nerdy. Mm. Theatre has long held this sort of thing. What well, It's our oldest art form, yes, but it's also always had this very sort of other connotation, like... I forget, I think it might be Plato talks about how theatre is basically lying and stuff like that. And so it's always been this thing that isn't consumed, but it's separate. And you've got a long history of people who are actors considered being lower. It was a low trade because you were travelling from town to town. When you start getting actresses on the stage, they weren't viewed as anything better than prostitutes because they're there showing themselves to people being deceitful in public for always theater has been this other place this place where right people go and it's hilarious when you think about theaters like they're tucked away they're the otherworldly places why wouldn't people who feel ostracized because of who they are by society find refuge in this place and you're
0: grinning at me and i have a lot of feelings about theater i'm enjoying watching you talk about this this is how i (laughs) must let when someone says power rangers (laughs) But like this seems so much more, I don't know, important and worthy. It's
1: there's been such a long connotation of queer. Um, I, I suppose we hear a lot about queer men, but like these gay play, these famous gay playwrights and things like that, being drawn to this art form where they could express part of themselves that their day to day life would not allow you to do so. Theatre communities can become so insular in themselves, at their families, and for people that maybe have lost. Their family through choice, through being ostracized, you find that community there. And it's one of my favorite little bits of family history. I can't remember. I think I was talking to my grandmother when she'd done a load of family tree history. And I think a couple of generations back, I have a grandmother or a grand aunt, great great couple of generations, who was in music hall and was considered very strange by the family. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Please tell me that I have a queer slash gay relative a couple of generations back who was in Music Hall because Mm. that is so validating in so many ways. But, yeah, theatre is another place. Theatre is... Yes, I do. I I think if you're closeted or if you go through life, you've already been been training to be an actor.
0: But, like, I feel... um, I don't, yeah, I don't necessarily feel like they're opposites, I think. Or oh, part, um, I'd say
1: two sides of the same coin, not yeah. to mean opposites, but rather different facets of the same phenomenon.
0: I feel like theatre is a safe space where you can be the outrageous, like, for example, me being an Annie, and I later did, like, I I basically did drag a couple of times, and, like, I played quite um, outrageous characters. And it was kind of like a safe, venting spot where I could be that. And, um...
1: Yeah, on the flip side, I went to an all-girl school, and mm. I got to play. I was nearly every time I was
0: playing a boy. Yeah, and like I would go off stage, and people would say, "Oh, just as acting, you know." I, uh, I don't know. I, I wish I could be in more plays. Um, I've been in a few, um, not musicals, mm. but there's something about musicals as well, which is even more yeah. magical. Yeah, because Um, I
1: think it is because everything is dialed up. Like so often, like (laughs) straight theatre, like um, I said, the the plays rather than musicals are often trying to capture reality, Mm. whereas musicals are heightened reality. And yeah, they're just big and beautiful. And uh, again, I'll probably talk about this a little bit more as, as we go on in the episode about why musicals strike a chord so much with me. But, yeah, I think there's just something to theatre that draws the ostracised to it. But also, I don't like to dwell on stereotypes because that isn't always helpful. But there is a reason why the camp gay is a problem because a lot of gay men are or I say art, a lot of gay men are. You, those people are, exist, and why wouldn't they be drawn to an art form? One, an art form, mm. but to a place which embraces that aspect of oneself.
0: Mm. I mean,
1: um, Also, if something's viewed as deviant by the public, <laughs> if you are also viewed as a deviant by the public, you might go, well, cool, that's clearly a place for me.
0: I mean, yeah, like, um, there was a very different feeling to getting laughed at on the street than being laughed at when you're on stage Hell yeah, in costume and others have paid to see you and you could be behaving exactly the same and um, getting praise where you would usually get scorn. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I, something I do find interesting about musicals is that it's not a genre Necessarily no. because people like to
1: say it is, but it's
0: there are the big giant camp sort of here we are shows. Mm-hmm. And then they're quite moody, uh yeah bleak musicals. Yes. Um and
1: We're looking at you, Les Mis.
0: <laughs> yeah. But like Not just Laimez. Um but Quite yes. often, even like when Lay there's very different genres of music going on or mm-hmm. very different tones, and obviously you want to sort of capture the full range of emotions in a show. Yeah. Um, But I don't know, I just... I I get very frustrated with it being dismissed by people who say they don't like musicals because it just... What does that mean? Yeah, it's
1: like people who dismiss animation as a genre.
0: Yeah, like... It's like,
1: you don't understand, there is a world of things contained within that banner. mm -hmm. Musicals... Musical theatre isn't a genre. Musical theatre is a form in which many genres can be presented.
0: Yeah. Um I mean an element that does make me slightly bitter. Mhm. I'm not I don't have any solutions on how to yeah. solve this uh-huh. is that um musicals are a great way for marginalized groups to be celebrated but it's still quite a exclusive Yeah. Uh, especially just like the big shows are so expensive it's
1: horrifying so hard to get
0: in and they're only showing at one like often showing at one place so you have to travel and I think that's part of why there's a lot of risk involved yes so I would see so many more shows if I didn't absolutely guarantee I'd have a good time Mm -hmm. Um, at university I had a friend who very legally um, had access to super cheap tickets. Yeah, um, I think their their mother had done many years as a principal of a special yeah. needs school and was allowed access to the
1: yeah
0: tickets afterwards as a present. So I went to see some musicals I never would have seen before, and I saw the um, I saw Viva Forever, the Spice Girls musical. How was it? And Love Never Dies, the Phantom of the Opera sequel. And I was surrounded by people who had paid over fifty pounds and traveled yeah. very far. And I'd paid a couple of quid and I was sitting there. I usually found out the day or the day before I was seeing it. Yeah. And had a great time because
1: You're not out of pocket.
0: Yeah, and I like I really enjoyed both shows. While acknowledging they weren't very good, I thought I thought Viva Forever was actually very fun. Yeah. It did feel like because um, Jennifer Saunders wrote it.
1: Yes, I believe so.
0: Um, probably quite drunk. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it just had, like, a really funny vibe. It felt like an Ab Fab episode. Yeah. Um, with with Spice Girls songs in. Mm-hmm. Um, it had a good sense of humour. And Love Never Dies was, like, a beautiful car crash of, like... <laughs> it was the Star Wars prequels. Um for theatre yeah and I was having a whale at a time yeah um, but I was surrounded by people trying to convince themselves that they had yeah. made a good choice that evening yeah Um, I just wish I don't know I, I've, I've seen Sweeney for example I've seen Sweeney Todd twice oh
1: yeah I've and I to went see to see
0: Todd. a wonderful production with is it Imelda Staunton and Michael Ball Um, very very good it had a really nice vibe it kind of Changed it so it was set in kind of like the 50s. Oh, interesting. Aesthetically, there was lots of like weird neon signs and
1: Ooh. it was
0: amazing. But I also went to see it for three pounds at the Edinburgh Festival in a small room. Yeah. And think, I think of that one more fondly. Yeah. Um. The, the trap door broke during a song and Sweeney just kept singing while fixing it and... The orchestra was five people in a little pit, but yeah. captured the music perfectly. And it felt like I was watching Sweeney Todd in the Victorian times. Um, it felt very... Um, I want to talk about a musical we saw in a very small venue in a second. But, like, as much as I love stagecraft craft and the spectacle and the costumes and the hordes of people flooding the stage... There's
1: something about intimacy.
0: Yeah, and that's when... I can get spectacle from musical films. Yes. Um, And I feel the moments I felt most connected to a musical have been the three people putting on a show for whoever turns up off the street. Yeah. Um, That's magical to me. How they create a world with no money and no, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was going to say song and dance, but (laughs) there is definitely still song and dance. Beautiful. Beautiful. But yeah, it's interesting I can see the same show twice and that's another mm-hmm. great thing about theatre is that you are mm-hmm. part of the part of the way you can justify the price to yourself is that no one will ever see, see it. that
1: exact yeah. yeah. For sure.
0: But like how do you think there's ways you um, theatre could be more accessible
1: to fix this problem? Um, in the UK I think there's this good thing where now they do live broadcasts mm. um, like National Theatre Live programme I think is really great and uh, it's different here with regards to paying performers rights. But there is more of a movement to record performances. I mean, a lot of performances here in the UK are recorded anyway, and there's a great archive at the VNA. There's their theatre archive and yeah. lots of performances. Um I plan to go there and like camp out and indulge. I'm such a nerd. I like- wanna do
0: that as well. We um we got taken we we got taken there at university and like we had half an hour. Yeah, <laughs> was like, that's not enough. Um, but we—I discovered a very strange. Um, it's called *The Bicycles of Size and it's a half an hour musical film. Sounds amazing. And I'd never heard of it, and now those songs I hum yeah. occasionally. So, but all,
1: yeah, I mean, there there are ongoing things like rush tickets and ticket lotteries are becoming more and more common, uh, which is great. And I believe there's like legislation like to try and prevent ticket scouting. Uh, ticket scalping Mm. sorry which is great i do think it's too expensive there's a reason why i've not seen the lion king for example even though i'd like to i understand the like musical theater is an incredibly expensive art form to put on it's labor intensive however i do we discussed it being very exclusionary due to its price and its location while traveling productions are great like touring productions are awesome because they take Plays that maybe people wouldn't get to see otherwise. I mean, I'm quite lucky, even though I've I've never really had much money growing up. I do live close enough to London that going to see a play there is something I I don't have to get a hotel for. Mm. I can literally go see a play and get the train home again. And that's I'm very lucky in that regard. But it's to do with the production companies, um, especially if you want to get young people interested in the art form. But there are ways in there that people do try to make things more accessible. I just think more of the same thing can be done because yeah. there isn't. It's not that like there isn't the audience for it.
0: Yeah, I mean, if a show is charging hundreds of pounds for seats and it's selling out every night, there's no incentive for them to no, there's not. Uh, make cheap seats. But I often, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more in a second. Yeah, but. Um, I often heard people who went to see Hamilton mm-hmm. were often surrounded. Hamilton? Ha- yeah, it's a, it's this really interesting. I think it's about um, like Canada or something. I don't oh, know. Right. Intru- I, I have not really heard of it, but apparently in this show, um, in the <laughs> in the audience, the joke is Jade is wearing a Hamilton t shirt, uh, but the um,
1: and has a Hamilton tattoo.
0: <laughs> yes. But even, so for example, people would go and they'd spend, you know, a huge amount of savings and a lot of uh, energy to try and get the tickets. And they were surrounded by, uh, and they were sort of super fans and they were surrounded by very well-off people who thought they'd just check out this new thing that they'd heard about, which I'm not judging people for doing, but they often found themselves surrounded by people who, oh, it's rap. Oh, what's this? Why? Mm. Mm. Why, why does George Washington look like that mm. they were surrounded by people they, who they for get... theatre is just a, a night out that yeah. they you know they might do several times in a week because they can and mm. that's you know that's the dream but it's also <sighs> something like Hamilton for example it should be should be shown to people who need it yeah um, and it Often has to, by necessity, uh, block them from seeing it in a way. But we can talk more about positive things. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, musicals. Yeah. Um, are there. We could just talk about some faves, favourites. Okay. Or like more recent ones. Because we talked about ones that we have, you know, grew up with are uh, very influential, but in the sort of the current. Oeuvre. Oeuvre. What do you... What instantly leaps to your mind? (laughs) You can say Hamilton. We could just talk about Hamilton now. I can't
1: just talk about Hamilton.
0: (laughs) Um, You have to live it.
1: I am a very big fan of Hamilton. Yes, I was lucky enough to see it in Chicago Mm -hmm. uh, last year. uh, But this was after having been obsessed with it for like a year and the soundtrack. Uh, and she's writing, I'm currently wearing a shirt of it, I have a lyric from it tattooed on my wrist. Um, what's interesting is I would say that while Hamilton is like this fucking cultural juggernaut for a reason, I, maybe because of how far back I was, seeing it live while wonderful was not the earth-shattering theatrical experience that it might have been otherwise. What was, however, was in the heights, also by Lima Miranda, which I saw uh, in the King's Cross Theatre in London. And I didn't know what to expect going in. I had never listened to any of it. And I was a mess, like shuddering, sobbing tears by the end of it. and as an experience to go through, I was just in awe. And that's, like, up there with, like, my best theatre experiences. And I love the songs and that. I love the themes of it. So, yeah, the the two Miranda musicals are very dear to me. Um, I I loved Avenue Q. And to be honest, I still love Avenue Q, even though I don't necessarily agree with some of its politics anymore. Hmm. I, I saw that. At the age of 22, which is a great age to see Avenue Q because there's a fucking lyric in the first song because you are 22 and you live on Avenue Q. It's like this musical, it's speaking to me. Mm. And it has puppets. <laughs> and the song's near hideously catchy. I'm like I can still sing most of Avenue Q without lyrics. Um, so I'm a big fan of that. I, I could talk about various musicals I've seen. I mean, Hamish and I got to see uh, shock treatment yes and that is by far one of the best things i've ever seen
0: yeah so i guess for people that don't know um richard o'brien wrote a sequel to rocky horror picture show um and it's a movie you can watch it um and it was a bit of a flop <laughs> to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um for a very long time the official Rocky Horror uh fan club uh it did not acknowledge its existence and refused to give it any time of day. Mm-hmm. Um the I think part of the reason it's so disliked is that while it has a lot of the kind of musical uh well I think musically it's mm. on par with Rocky Horror Picture Most Show. Definitely. Um, it has a completely different objective in terms of themes. Yes. And I think if people like Rocky Horror for its music, then they'll love it. But I think if Rocky Horror meant something to them in terms of uh, yeah. sexual awakening or gender uh, awakening, yes. um, it was a huge disappointment because it's more about reality TV and fame, fame um, and what that does to people. Um but the film is also not great it's pretty cheap it's a pretty cheap it's a bit of a mess um, but we went to see a stage production of it which had never been done on stage before no. um, where they pretty much fixed the the everything. whole everything
1: they fixed the everything
0: they fixed the everything which was so wonderful because then you could put the songs on show
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, but they you know, got rid of whole chunks of the plot. They mm-hmm. put, streamlined
1: Streamlined,
0: it. merged characters. This
1: was also in a tiny black box theatre space in the mm. back of... I forget what the name of the pub is. It's, uh, it's a pub theatre. King's Head. Yeah. yeah, it's a little tiny pub theatre. This was a cast of... Two, four, six people? Yeah. Six people. And...
0: You felt like you really got... To know them or like you were part of the gang.
1: And not just because we were sat in the front row,
0: because yes. there were only like
1: six rows behind us. Like Yeah,
0: I mean, um one of the nights we went, Neil Gaiman was also there.
1: Was he really? Yeah, don't you remember? No.
0: Oh. He was. Cool. Slipped out, I think. Slipped in and out mm-hmm. as Gaiman. I know does. one of
1: the times what's it Brian Professor Brian Cox was there one of the times we were there. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, Neil Gaiman thought... and Amanda Palmer had seen it. Brian Cox okay. was there one yes. of the nights we were
0: but no, there. no, it was it was just It's a tragedy that it didn't transfer, but also, in a way, I felt this was the closest you'd ever get to nowadays actually seeing Rocky Horror, the Rocky Horror Show, Mm. as it originally happened, because my parent, the story I always hear is that my parents went to see the Rocky Horror Show on stage with Tim Curry before it was anything. Yeah. And I don't think you could ever capture that again, because you'd always attract where well, you'd always get a crowd of people who know the lyrics, want to sing yeah. along, do all the callbacks. Yeah. You would put it in a big stage or have a big production, whereas this was raw and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you got, we st- could see every drop c- of
1: sweat it see- and there was quite a lot of it.
0: Yeah. Um, and they even added a bit more of Rocky horror's sort of sexiness into it. Yeah. And um, it's so good. And I am sad that it didn't transfer and no one will ever see it again, but mm. I'm very glad that we did. Yeah. Um
1: And not just because I got to dance on stage. Yeah,
0: It was fun. Do check out the film though, yeah. knowing knowing it's not the don't greatest. Go in, film. Yeah,
1: also don't go in expecting Rocky Horror 2.
0: No, it's pretty despite much Despite the
1: presence of Brad and Janet.
0: Yeah, played by different people. Yeah. But it feels like a bunch of really cool early eighties music videos with like very boring <laughs> scenes <laughs> attached. Yeah. Um it's still very funny. Um but that's one of my most positive recent, uh, theater experiences. Yeah. Um, what, as we've been a little bit positive, I wanted to go back and talk about,
1: Yeah, let's a, get negative a little bit. Let's bring so, the mood
0: down. Part, part of me thinks that because you do, uh, shell out a bit of money.
1: Yeah.
0: For a night out. Yeah. You sometimes lower the, you lower your criticism glasses. Yes. Um, for example, like, I've seen some musicals which I was like, oh, yeah, awesome, great time, great time, go and see it. But I'm like, if that was a film, I'd have lots of things to say about the, you know, way women were, tre- like, mm-hmm. represented. Or, um, like, one of my favourite uh, musicals currently running is Matilda. Yeah. But I have lots to say about Miss Trunchbull and yes. certain other elements. Choices I wouldn't make. Yells. Which would probably move, prevent me from thinking it was amazing if it was a film, mm-hmm. but on stage get a little bit of leeway.
1: I think part of that is also because you are so engaged with, in theatre in a way that you aren't with film because it's mm. a two-way flow of energy. Yeah. So you, I don't want to say, yeah, no, you can't, you are, you're complicit almost. And because I feel that that, because you're, it's inescapable, the emotions of the musical are what fills you and I think it's harder to be critical because you don't have that layer of distance than you do watching a film or a tv show because you're not watching it on a screen you are there you are in it yeah so I think it's maybe harder to put that critical eye to it not that we shouldn't but rather the critical analysis part might come after the fact that said I did not like Phantom of the Opera if now, I had paid money to see Phantom of the Opera, I, uh, we, uh, my partner and I were giving tickets as a gift, mm. I would have been pissed off.
0: See, that's my husband's favourite. I know. But I did ask him how many musicals he'd seen, and he said, well, just Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> so I'm going to probably try and change that this year. But yeah. what, what was it particularly that you didn't like? The music. Well,
1: I liked a couple of the songs. I found it, I don't know whether it was because I was very far away. It's possible, but I, I didn't feel connected to the characters. I think was part of the problem. There, are, I'm not saying the performances weren't good. Um, oh, oh, I forgot. Ben Forster played uh, the Phantom, and he was excellent. And I have seen, I saw a TV broadcast of when he was Brad in mm. Rocky Horror, which was fantastic. <laughs> um, I've shown. Hamish has watched that one with me, and we had good fun watching that. I also, he was also uh, Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ Superstar, in the same production that Tim Minchin played, Judas Iscariot.
0: I do think uh, musical... So, for example, I, th- I think ultimately if you just don't like the songs, it's quite hard to... Yeah, you aren't going to enjoy the, the the experience of seeing them. Yeah, I mean, so, for example, I want to like this more than I do, and I w- was very excited at the prospect of seeing it with you, but I don't really like the music and Rent.
1: I wanted to see Rent for the experience of seeing Rent. Yeah, same. Um, the prices that they were charging to see it, not so much.
0: Also, I was, I've only seen the film, and I was hoping that if I saw the music live, I'd like enjoyable. it more. Enjoy it more.
1: Rent, I think you cannot, you cannot lower the importance of Rent within the musical exactly. canon, its contents, its musical styles, regardless of if you like it or not, and the issues within the story. And there are a lot of issues within it. Um, uh, what Jonathan Larson did with Rent, I, I can't think be underplayed. I mean, he, by certain, he's not the only person that's done something amazing with it. But that choice to have very contemporary sounding music and a contemporary theme um, I mean, it had been obviously done before, but nothing really sounded like Rent when Rent. I think Renn.
0: that's the that might be the problem is that when something comes along with a very contemporary feel, mm-hmm. it then it gets kind of locked in that. Uh, time
1: it'll be interesting to see how Hamilton ages
0: and how it'll be updated for example um, my friend Madeline who runs Dissection Dragons often likes to talk about how um, sort of the original productions of Les Mis had a very synthy feel to them and that over time they've orchestrated it a bit more to make it feel more like you expect from that kind of film yeah Um, Phantom of the Opera always makes me laugh because it's attempts at an operatic score the most 80s and then suddenly there's an 80s pop song in the middle yeah. <laughs> like a gimmicky song uh, like,
1: I will, I, what I will say about Phantom of, uh, Phantom of the Opera is there's a piece of stagecraft I had a fantastic time I mm. loved seeing
0: all the bells and whistles of the show but for example when I was talking about Sweeney Todd if all those bells and whistles were taken away yeah, no. if you were seeing Phantom of the Opera performed by five people in a dark room
1: uh, then I might have enjoyed it more because mm. I could have actually seen their fucking faces
0: oh. <laughs> except for that half of that no.
1: <laughs> Um, I will say um, while we talking about, I got to see Les Mis. Uh, Gabe, who was on the podcast, uh, took me, and I had an amazing time. What's, what was interesting about Les Mis is I'd already seen the film, mm-hmm. and I'd never seen the stage show. I, I'd listened to a couple of songs off the soundtrack, but what was interesting was the emotions I had to it live would didn't line up to the emotions I'd had watching the film. Like I, I my emotional peaks came in different places and that i think owed something to the fact that it was in the theater itself also that set is bitchin and i always take it's a good sign of set design if i want to immediately scramble up on the stage and run around on it mm. and see how everything
0: works but i mean talking about rent is possibly yeah. a good exact uh, way to talk about how for a genre well I said I said it's not a genre for but a music,
1: for thought for a thumb for an art form a, thorn, a media yeah art form thank you
0: that is so beloved and embraced by the queer community uh, in terms of representation mm. it's suspiciously lacking or um, when you think about the great musicals finding overt canon representation for LGBT people is unless it's an LGBT play um, it's few and far between,
1: mm.
0: and what are your thoughts on this?
1: We ain't profitable,
0: which is bizarre because apparently we're the ones the are going pink to bound, see. The yeah. Apparently we're the ones going to see it.
1: I think part of it is like you don't see lots of new musicals. A lot of it is this old staples that don't go away. Yeah, I don't think that's an excuse. I mean, there are. I mean, we have rent, um, believe next to normal. Um, has queer characters in it Uh, Spring Awakening which is a fairly new musical excuse me has queer characters I mean I think that's part and parcel of I think musical theatre as a canon is slow Mm -hmm. to change Mm -hmm. and so with newer musicals we are seeing more of this come in which is great which is what we want but also, we mentioned earlier how expensive an undertaking putting a, musical is, putting a musical on is, how long it takes, especially if you're going in, in a big way. The amount of money and time. People want things that they are going, they're sure they're going to get their money back on. And I think there remains this um, misapprehend- misapprehend- um, false assumption that that people won't want to go see it. In the same way that people don't want to go see a movie with a person of colour in the lead role. Oh, wait. <laughs> Topical! Yeah.
0: I think... I think it's also just that um, if you... In musicals, you either make it or you possibly disappear into either forever and no one ever hears about you. Yeah. And there's a... Uh, you know, countless musicals off Broadway that don't transfer, mm-hmm. and unlike films, where you get sort of cult films that get discovered,
1: you can't really do that with. You a can't music. really do it.
0: You you might find a script and yeah. try and secure the rights and put it on, but again, that's a whole lot of effort. Mm-hmm. And if it's proven to be something that didn't work, no one's one going to want to do it again. Mm.
1: Um, oh, reference back to shock treatment. Thank you for the, well. With... Well, the King's
0: Head Theatre puts on a lot of uh, interesting-sounding shows. Yeah. Um they seem to have really lean towards sort of. Queer things that are going to run for you know twelve weeks and then yeah. disappear. Um, I think this stuff does exist. It's just yeah,
1: finding the audience. Finding.
0: I think every theatre just wants to. They want th- find th- a thing they can run ma- for ten years because they want money. Yeah, because
1: running a theatre is an expensive thing. It's an un- it's a business. Yes, it's an art form, but theatre. I think mo- perhaps more than any. Unlike a movie, which is in theatres for a time and then goes like a musical lives and dies by how many people are going to say it.
0: But who tells the story?
1: I see what you did there.
0: (laughs) Actually, I want to mention briefly Hamilton because I have, you know, I've had a few friends who point out some criticisms about it, but I think part of it is that Hamilton was designed to be an off-Broadway show and it's... And then it it explodes and then gets subject to certain criticisms, maybe. Um, But I don't think... I think it's that it's because it's there's a different kind of show happening on off Broadway.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. It's not like, it's not like Andrew Lloyd Webber tested out his School of Rock stage adaptation like in an independent small little theater to see if it worked. It was, he's a brand. He makes things for, you know. Yeah. Mainstream big theaters to fill every seat for sure. Um, and the people making the sort of the interesting, well, I'm not saying it's not interesting, but the people making the um, more progressive or the more risky mm. uh, plays are the ones that do, uh, if if they run for a year, that's a massive success. Yeah.
1: But I mean, while well, you make a valid point, Lynn manuel Moran is also incredibly bankable. Yeah. Given the success of In the Heights. Yeah. But also he wrote the, he wrote, some of the songs for Bring It On the musical,
0: <laughs> but like I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking like just something about Hamilton's, uh, the, the the premise of it yeah. is very off Broadway. Yeah, no, I agree. It's not a bankable idea. Yes, ne- no. Um, when no, you, th- I mean, I don't know why, um, you know, cats are, <laughs> but like, um,
1: because Andrew Lloyd Webber was at the height of Andrew Lloyd Webber.
0: Yeah, that that whole idea you can kind of do anything. Yeah. Um, I mean, I. I kind of want to... There's a kind of runny joke of, like, blank, the musical. Yeah. Um, I love often thinking about what would make a good musical. Yeah. Um, and, like, what do you feel about sort of film adaptations or things that...
1: Film adaptations of musicals or musicals that... Musicals that come out... Come out come of films. Yeah. Um, well, I really want to see Waitress. Hmm. I, I would have liked to have seen that when I was in New York, but I couldn't. Um, but that's an example that I think... Is really interesting and wouldn't having seen the film. That isn't a film I would have gone, you know what, I'd love to see the musical of that. Yeah, Matilda, I wouldn't have made the jump. I think it's great because I think there's a certain amount of safety net. Yeah, if you're adapting an existing property as a musical, but I think in the hands of the right composer, I think you can end up with some really interesting. I'd really like to see Groundhog Day. Yeah. I've never seen the film. But I also have a lot of respect for Tim Minchin as a creator. Yeah. So I mean um as I haven't I've yet to see Matilda and I don't want to listen to any of the songs because I just really want to see it.
0: No, I think that's the right choice. Um I I mean, for example, because I've just mentioned it, yeah. something like School of Rock yes. is like a very easy, okay, I know where the song's gonna go mm. kind of idea. Um, but I really I get intrigued when someone says, oh, have you heard of blank the musical? I actually, I really, really liked the Sister Act musical. All right. Um, And I think it makes so much more sense as a musical Mm -hmm. than the film. The film has some songs in. Yes. But um, they sort of change the era and they change a few things and it just, it feels more worthy as a musical, which is kind of interesting. It feels like um, they solved the problems (laughs) (laughs) through music. That makes sense. And again, when talking about musicals and talking about your favourites, it's often a case of what have you been lucky enough to have managed to see? Um, I mean,
1: it's interesting. A lot of people love Wicked. Yeah. I did not love Wicked. I like a lot of the songs from Wicked. Um, But um, I think my friend and I went to see a matinee and we were up in the cheap seats Mm. And I enjoyed going to see it. I do think it falls into one of the traps I find with a number of musicals, which is the best song ends the first half.
0: Yeah I have a lot I mean Oz is a is another whole thing you have to unpack with me. Um, what really? yeah, <laughs> it's know almost, that. yeah I'm, I'm very invested in the books. Um,
1: have you read
0: Wicked? I have attempted to. Fair. I um I admire I admire the book and I admire the musical in different ways, but I wonder I was just I may, I wonder if I have, would have
1: enjoyed the musical more if I hadn't read the book. Yeah. Because I really liked the book.
0: Okay, I mean I, again I didn't love 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 all the songs as much as I hoped to. Yeah. Um, and that's the big killer of the musical for me. Yes. Um, I found just the plot surprisingly, mm-hmm. like. I was surprised by it because yeah. you know, you see these adverts everywhere for wicked and I don't want to shame anyone who loves it because no God, no, um, I can totally see why people love it. Yes. God, Um, but for me, I found what I found very interesting about the wicked witch is the idea of being evil and that not being the full story.
1: Yeah.
0: A bit more than, Oh no, she wasn't evil at all. It was all just a misunderstanding, kind of thing. And the thing that really bugs me is that it's kind of like jilted love story yeah, stuff also, that just yeah. feels like the most the the worst like origin story for a female villain is like heartbreak. Jil- a heartbreak. To well, me, that's just not well, one
1: point. could argue it's heartbreak because she broke up with her best friend.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just it didn't it didn't connect with me in any way. No, but. If it does review that's cool yeah I'm envious
1: for sure same um it's interesting something I'd like to say a little bit about musicals just um I spoke about this once during my snapshot project that I did last mostly of last year, which is why I think musicals are so unique as an art form and we talked about that what how difficult it is to criticize musicals and how maybe we aren't as harsh and I think what's amazing about musical theatre is it sort of transcends the need for language because of the music you are taken on this emotional journey that sort of bypasses the logic part of your brain and connects straight to the emotional centre of things. Mm. And as somebody that frequently struggles to articulate themselves, I say with (laughs) some irony realising that I'm on a podcast talking about things. (laughs) it, It doesn't ask you to unpick why somebody is feeling these things it takes you with them and the music swells and you are with this character you are sad when they are sad you are jubilant when they are jubilant and it's an amazing thing to me that it can transcend language and borders and experiences to connect with audiences in a way that I think is utterly unique to the art form and I think that's an amazing gift and that's part of why i'd like to see more queer characters more queer stories within musical theater because i feel it's a great way to help create empathy for these mass straight audiences who will come to the theater because they do because these expensive seats sell out Mm. if your story is good and you will take these people on a journey and perhaps give them an empathy that they did not have before. And I think there's a power inherent to music that should be embraced. And yeah, I want to see more gay musicals. I want to see musicals with trans characters. I, I want to these people to exist on the stage singing their hearts out and for a straight cis straight cishet person in the audience to cry with them
0: mm, that's my like that's my thing i i'd said um previously how it really moved me when straight people were paying tributes to like george michael and what his yeah. music meant to them and i like even though he might have been singing about an experience not exactly like theirs they could connect with yeah it in their way
1: there, there's a power to that and i think that's i mean we talk about our, our being queer is our thing to talk about but I feel like Hamilton does some things um, with race that are so palpable and powerful because of those choices and I feel that musicals perhaps has a unique place to do a could do some similar, similarly wonderful things even if it also goes flying over the heads of people Mm. in the same way that a lot of Hamilton has
0: but yeah I think that's kind of interesting and when you're making films and scoring a film, they yeah. often say that, oh, the the sign of a good score is you don't really notice it. Mm. It's just there to sort of guide you through emotions. But yeah. in musicals, you're guiding people through emotions and also making sure people notice the music. Yeah. It's kind of magical. Yes. Like, if you go and see an orchestra perform, you are imagining things and sort yeah. of feeling things.
1: Whereas a musical gives you all of it. Yeah. It has the dialogue, it has the... Mu- like we said, at the top of the form... A dance I think is an, is an amazingly evocative art form that I wish I could take part in more but.
0: yeah but it, it's all together it's all it's like all human art achievements on stage at once <laughs> Yeah, like, this is what yeah, we mu- as a race mu- as
1: yeah a, I was going to say we, we've talked about musical theatre as an art form musical theatre is like fucking 20 art forms smushed. It's,
0: it's the art form it's like this is what humans have have created
1: yeah fucking aliens come to earth let's show them musical theatre <laughs> Like, this is what we can do. Uh,
0: yeah, I would possibly wouldn't show them Rocky Horror Picture maybe Show. Maybe not Rocky has Horror. A, has a um, pretty anti-alien agenda. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, I think we should wrap the episode by talking about roles we'd like to play because you said that it's something you'd like to do more of. I know it's something I'd like to do more of. So, Hamish, what roles in musicals would you, given the ch- chance, would you maybe like to perform?
0: Seymour in Little Shop of Horrors. Oh
1: ours. man, you'd be an amazing Seymour.
0: I was, there's so many roles I'd love to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, a, but that's the one I think, like, I would, I'd do a good audition and I think I'd be a right choice. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd love to play Frank or, uh, Frank and Ferta. Um, uh, you know, there's lots of, uh, you know, traditionally female roles i love to play. Um, mm-hmm. I'd honestly like to play Janet, Like I really love her songs. Um, Can't hit those notes, but I could bring it down a little bit. Um, And there's a few other shows I'd love to be in, but (sighs) Seymour, I think um, I could I could sing the songs he sings. Yeah, Um, it's one of the few roles like that where he's also a main character. Yeah, like that kind of character would usually get like you know their silly song like in the second act maybe
1: but he's the lead
0: um but yeah and you know there's a i don't know i think it's a really sweet uh story and i would really like to do that and i want to act with a big big puppet
1: yeah (laughs) how about you um there are so many theat like musical theater roles that Call to me for various reasons. It calls me. It does call me. That's not not a stage show. It will be one day. Mm. Um, If you were to name a musical I liked, I would be able to tell you one or more parts in it that I would love to do. I mean, I wish I had one
0: as succinct as you wanting to play Seymour. Um, I think it's because I have quite a. I don't know. I have a quite clear idea of where my talents end <laughs> like yeah. what i could what i could conceive that's me trying to cast myself yeah rather than what i want to do
1: oh interesting um that wasn't the question homie i
0: know it wasn't the question it, it's tied in with where i'd feel comfortable no that makes sense. i wouldn't want to
1: yeah no i hear you
0: um
1: i i don't think i would ever be able to play it on the big screen but if it ever got to the point where it was local productions I would love to play King George in Hamilton. Mm. I would love to play Grand here in Les Mis, um, or one of the Thernadiers in Les Mis.
0: Well, the sign of a good musical is that you'd be happy playing anyone. That's
1: very true. That
0: is that is mostly how I feel about Rocky Horror.
1: Yeah, no, same. I um, would happily play about five of the roles in in Rocky Horror
0: because I feel like I'd have a good time on stage mm-hmm. watching other people's performance, even if. Yeah. Um, I wasn't doing it.
1: Hamish and I have discussed with friends the possibility of doing. We would we'd like to do sort of a fuck your prescribed gender roles production of Rocky Horror and have like varying people of varying genders playing the roles that they want to play.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I, Rocky Horror is its own like discussion to be had. I yeah. I've talked a lot with people about how things can be so important to LGBT yes. history and art. Uh, community and culture Hmm. um, sometimes now going in with that knowledge. Yes. A a capsule of a a feeling. But I do think um, it's just how good the songs are is kind of timeless. (laughs) I'll
1: tell you what, guys, our dear listeners, you haven't really heard Hamish and I sing, but what roles do you think based on what you know of us through this? Please reply to when we tweet, this would be a good one for Twitter. When we put the tweet out for this episode... Reply to it. Tell us what roles you think you would. We'd be good for. Hamish would make an excellent Seymour. <laughs> I will just put that out there.
0: I'm happy to co-write a Power Rangers musical with anyone. <laughs> <laughs> um.
1: And on that stunning visual, we are going to uh, wrap up today's episode. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, we're box not included on Facebook, on Tumblr, on Twitter, and at Gmail. And there you can get in contact. As I just said, you can get in contact. But really, you can talk to us about anything. Uh, comments about musicals, what you love, what you'd love to see as a musical. Um, comments about the show, what you think we could be doing better, things you'd like to hear us talk about, people you'd like to hear us talk to. Um, and we've got individual Twitters as well where you can get in contact with us.
0: I'm at Hamish Steele. And
1: I'm at Jade Oxford Rose. Um, as always. Well, I could do as always, or you could do and thank you for listening.
0: Oh, thank you for listening. (laughs) Yeah. Why Um, are you so reluctant to thank our listeners, Hamish? I just... I don't think that... No, no, I love you. Um, I was going to say something I was going to regret. Something that could be isolated and used against me. No, um, we thank you very much for listening. Yeah, we do. And we would love and appreciate any ratings or subscriptions or reviews on iTunes or your podcasting app of choice. Um, And we are always... Uh, open and accepting questions for future bo- uh, no box box pops or episode ideas.
1: Oh, um, we've talked before about wanting to do periscopes. If you have an idea for a musical number that you would like, hey, we should do a single periscope.
0: A good duet.
1: Yeah, let us know. Maybe we'll do. Um, There's a light from Rocky Horror or something. You oh, could be Janet and I'll be Brad. Thank and it'll you. Be fun. We'll we'll figure something out.
0: You can be riff raff.
1: I could be, but you do need a Brad.
0: Yes that's true
1: we'll figure something out <laughs> last thing we want to thank chrome waller audio overlord master of the sound waves for his help with the episode the theme music for the producer and all the wonderful magical audio wizardry he does
0: maybe one day we'll put lyrics to the theme song oh yeah i'm not sure how it's quite
1: we'll figure something out <laughs> we'll figure it out uh but until next time i'm jade rose i'm hamish deal and don't let anybody box you in